from what the Bible says, it's going to happen. And I do know this, neither you nor I want to be on the receiving end when we pass that time limit. Now, if you've ever raised fruit trees, I don't know if you ever have, they require a lot of uh, care to produce a harvest, okay? I remember when I moved from California to Montgomery, Alabama as a teenager, and my mom had some fruit trees in the backyard and grapevines and fig trees, and the neighbors said they, they don't produce. They just look like they're going to be, and they, and they never do. And, well, we came from the, the, the Napa Valley area of California, and we knew about grapevines, and we could tell by looking at these grapevines, they'd never been cut back in years and years and years. And my mom had me go out, and it, it ran a couple of hundred feet, Brother Bobby, all the way down the property line. And it was my job to cut those grapevines back that had not been trimmed in years. I mean, it, it was the most scraggly mess you ever saw. The neighbors were going, you're killing it, you're killing it. It'll never come back. I said, you don't know what you're talking about. We come from vineyard country, man. I mean, we moved here from vineyard country. And then we went to some of the other trees, and we trimmed them back and cut them back and dug out all the grass that had grown up around it and began to fertilize it. And, and the long and short of it was the next year, we had huge bundles of grapes just hanging off of those vines and apples on the trees and figs on a fig tree like the size of your palm, man. I mean, humongous figs. It was a big, big fig tree. I'm just telling you. And, and there's something rewarding about seeing a tree bending under the weight of all its fruit. I mean, you know, it, it just, there's just something about that. To go in the backyard and pick the fruit that you grew, that you took care of, that you planted, that you cared for. It's instructive and it's rewarding. It's instructive because we get to see how the fruit process is and how fruit develops on a tree from going from a, a bud to a bloom to a small fruit until it comes to f full maturity of age. And you know what we learn from that, I'm telling you. It's instructive because we see how the process is and we learn that fruit doesn't grow in grocery stores. And it doesn't grow in trucks. I mean, it grows someplace and is brought to that place. But it's also rewarding because you get to take part in the process uh, with your efforts combined with that of nature to see the fruit brought to harvest. Who wants to labor all their lives and never see any fruit come from it? Come on now. A harvest of ripened fruit is the reason that there's a fruit tree in your backyard taking up valuable real estate. If it's not going to produce, get it out of the way. Come on now. I mean, if it's not producing, I go, why isn't it producing? What's wrong with it? I'm going to go find an expert in the field. I'm going to find out why it's not producing. So what Jesus was trying to say in this parable is two messages to two groups of people. And I'm going to go through this quick. The first one was a message of change. And it's a message about repentance. In verse 1 of chapter 13, it says, About this time, Jesus was informed that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they were offering sacrifices at the, attempt, at the temple. In other words, the Jerusalem Post had recently reported that, that Pilate had, had, had murdered some Galileans as they were in the temple offering sacrifices. This was an atrocity committed by a Roman ruler uh, who was set up to rule over these people. We're not told whether there was any provocation or if it was a retaliation for something that was done or was it just done to show the iron fist of Rome over the people so that they would fear Rome? We don't know. But Jesus taught us another profound lesson with that verse. In verse 2, look what it says. Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. See, 
we sometimes think that somehow if this happened, something must have really been bad there. And what Jesus is saying, it doesn't matter how you go, but if you don't repent, you're going to perish too. And King Solomon in Ecclesiastes wrote in 911, he says, the race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. In other words, we, we don't always control the events that happen to us in everyday life. And Jesus was saying those poor people who died, who were slaughtered at Pilate's hands, those who died because a tower fell, he said they were all human. They're like you and me. They have weaknesses. They have strength. They have family. They have a history. They have all those kinds of things. But they were suddenly caught up in an event. I mean, let's read about another one. Look at this in, in Luke chapter 13, verse 4 and 5. He says, and what about the 18 people who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them? Were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? No. And I tell you again that unless you repent, you will perish too. Two calls to repentance. Jesus takes the news headlines of the local area, points out two things that everybody was talking about. And he says, it doesn't matter how they died. The point is, they died. And one day, everyone will die. And unless you repent, you will perish. He wasn't talking about perishing physically. He was talking about spiritually. Jesus is warning them that they could be like those who unexpectedly had their lives snuffed out in a moment. How many times have you, I, I don't know about you, but we, we live right next door to the coast, and there's a fire department right there. And that main highway out there, I can tell you how many times a day I hear and sirens going up and down the road. Police cars, deputy cars, ambulances, EMTs, fire trucks. And every time I hear one, I pray a silent prayer because I'm telling you, they're not running with lights on and sirens blazing because there's not a problem. Somebody is facing a crisis or has just gone into the presence of Jesus. I'm just telling you. We don't like to think about those things, but it's the truth. It's just the way life is. There, there are no guarantees. <laughs> a friend wrote me yesterday from Virginia, a pastor friend of mine, best friend, and um, they lived in Louisiana for many years, and we'd gone, traveled all over the world together, and I told him what I was doing for his barbecue. He said, well, I just changed the thing. He said, there's three things certain in life. He said, death, taxes, and the love of barbecue. <laughs> I said, well, I don't know about that last one. My doctor hates anything kind of cooked on the commission because he likes grilled stuff, you know. But that, look, there's nothing guaranteed in life. Nothing. Every day we hear of accidents, natural catastrophes, and attacks on innocent life. And it's just the way it is in the world that we live. But Jesus, in this case, was being very realistically blunt. Events that you have no control over. Towers falling. People being murdered by governments. You have no control over them. Sometimes good and well-meaning people like you and me get hurt. And sometimes they die. And we need to understand this and repent even now. And you say, well, why is that so important? Why is the message of repentance so important? I'll tell you why. Because all sin will either be pardoned in Christ or paid for in hell. No, no sin, no person will slip by with sin in their life. It's either going to be pardoned by the blood of Jesus Christ or it's going to be paid for in the fires of hell. See, repentance is not a fashionable word today. Repentance in its basic form means a change of thinking which results in a change of action. See, most people think of repentance as being remorse. Remorse is being sorry for something. But that doesn't bring change. 
How many of you have done something you were sorry for, but you continued in the same vein until something caused you to change? See, that's, that's the difference between remorse and repentance. Repentance starts on the inside. In other words, my, my thinking has to change and come into alignment with what God's Word says and what God says. And when He does that, then my life will change. I can't change the outward part thinking it's going to change the inward part. God comes into my heart, into my life, into my mind, and from the inside out, He changes us. Come on now. It, it, it means we need to stop doing which is unproductive and un ungodly, and we need to change it. This is the message that Jesus preached in Mark 1.15 when he said, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. It means that through this announcement, a new order of life was at hand, and we need to adapt and adopt that mindset for this new life. The second thing that this message, this parable brings is about producing fruit, and it's a message about purpose. The first one was a message about repentance. This one is about purpose. Because an unproductive fruit tree is basically worthless except if you want some shade. If it hasn't produced for three years, then there needs to be a remedy applied or it just needs to be cut down. It isn't that the tree was dead and it wasn't incap incapable of producing. The owner kept coming. He must have saw something that made it look like it might have fruit. But he said, three years now I've been coming, and three years has not been one fig on this tree. Just cut it down. And, it, and it's not like a lot of people that I know, that I've met in my lifetime. They're alive and they're breathing, but they're not really going anywhere. They're really not living. Can I tell you there's a difference between living and existing? And Jesus said, I've come to give you life and a life that's more abundant. He said, I didn't come just so you can keep on existing. He said, I've come to change you from the inside out. You know, I mean, there's, I know people who are breathing and they're walking around, but they're not going anywhere. Every day, the same routine. Every day, the same thing. And, and, and I want to stop them and go, hey. <laughs> you ever just wanted to go up and grab somebody's face and go, hey. I'm talking to you. <laughs> I believe that's where God is at. I mean, the Holy Spirit is like that because he wants them to know I have a purpose for your life. There's a reason why you're here. I didn't create you just to walk around like a zombie. I came and I made you in a unique and divine way. I have a purpose for you. Forget the bigger question at the moment of, what is the meaning of life? Just forget that for a moment. Let me ask you this. What is the purpose for you drawing breath, eating food, and taking up space on planet Earth? What's the purpose? Why are you here? If you don't know, or if your answer is kind of like, well, I think it might be kind of whatever, can I tell you, you're like the unproductive fig tree, and your life is being unproductive. And I have to ask you, are you really alive? You, do you really have a place? Are you producing fruit? Listen, God wants to answer those questions for you, and he wants you to know them. The third thing that I want to tell you is about God's mercy. I sing his mercy. I praise his mercy. I'm thankful for his mercy. But mercy to me is extending time by God, allowing us to extend time to turn things around. See, the vineyard owner, his solution to the unproductive fig tree was what? Cut it down. Why should it deplete the soil of the nutrients to all the other trees around? Cut it down. Get rid of it. That's a hard solution. But I want to show you something. It gives us two truths about God. And the first one is that God is full of mercy and compassion. He's patient. He's loving but God is also a God of judgment. And Jesus is warning that there's going to come a time, a final judgment upon every single life. And listen to me. And those who had opportunity but denied it will suffer worse. 
People say, I don't believe that. Then you don't know your Bible. Near the end of Jesus' ministry, he said, woe unto you, Simon. He said, for if what had been done in your presence had been done, you know, and he goes down and he makes a comparative study of cities. He said, woe unto you in this place. He said, if what had been done in this place, they would have repented. Woe unto you. In other words, he's saying, he said, it's worse for those who know. Those who had the opportunity to make the change and didn't do it. There's an old adage that I love, and, and I'm constantly reminded of it. And it says, the opportunity of a lifetime is only good during the lifetime of the opportunity. The other day, my phone popped up. Special offer, $20 off. And it was a store I was headed to. And it was like, yeah, man. I said, thank you, Jesus, $20 off. And then I get to the store and look at the fine print, and it expired the day before. And I look at the guy and go, why did you send me a text today with this coupon when it expired yesterday? He said, sir, I don't have anything to do with that. He said, do you still want that? I said, no. I would needed it, but I didn't want it. Not from them. It was just the principle of it. How many of you know I'm talking about? I said, you got me out here because you sent me a false advertisement. I'll pay more someplace else. Some, some of you look at me saying, Pastor, I was kidding. Now you know me. I'm just telling you. I was just, I, was, I didn't get mad at the guy. I'm just like, what's the point of sending something out if it's not any good? You know, really. I mean, it wasn't his fault. He didn't send it. His company did. Some computer somewhere said, boom, and everybody got the same text. And I'm, I, I kind of laughed on the way back out to my car and said, I'm picturing about 2,000 people walking out to that car doing the same thing, upset that they got a coupon that had expired. But when you link it to the statement that Jesus made earlier, it says, unless you repent, we learn something, that there is a way to avoid being cut down and being considered of no value. Look at these verses. He answered him and said, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, that if not, after that, you can cut it down. He begs the owner to give him one more year in which to work on the tree, to turn it around and make it useful and productive. There is hope and every expectation that the wise and capable attention of this vineyard keeper will produce a harvest that sees fruit on that tree. And we see God in a dual role capacity in this story. Two different aspects. And one is, first, God both owns us and gives us room to grow spiritually. You say, I'm not owned by anybody. Yes, you are if you're a Christian. The Bible says you've been bought for the price, the blood of Jesus. To redeem something is to buy back. He purchased us through his blood. That's why it is called the redemption of the cross, the price of the cross. And when people tell me the cross is offensive, I say, you're right, it is offensive, but it is God's way that points us to the only way to be redeemed. You see, it's offensive to many people because they want to be in control. But God says, no, I bought you. I paid you. I, pay, I bought you with the price of my son upon the cross. He stood in mockery, hanging on that cross as people walked by and spit on him and called him every name. And he sat there and he, he hung there and loved them just as he was. So we see that God both owns us and he gives us room to grow spiritually. Aren't you glad he gives us some room? Aren't you glad he, he extends us mercy? But many people, they mistake mercy as a license just to keep on keeping on. And the second thing we see is that God also expects us to produce fruit. Now, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, I have it on the screen there. These are the fruits of the Holy Spirit. This is, these are things that should be developing in our life, and they will if we'll let the Holy Spirit have his way. But the Apostle Paul writes to the believers in the city of Corinth about another thing. And he's talking about the fruit that God's looking for. 
And look what it says. It says, for we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field, and you are God's building, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder. I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. And he goes on, he says, he says, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold and silver and precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, he says, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it. Speaking of that day when we stand before God, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work and what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. In other words, what he's saying is the works that, that when we stand before God, he's talking about the works that there are. He says, this is what will be brought forth by the grace and mercy and the enablement of the Holy Spirit in our lives if, say if, if we allow the Spirit of God to work in our lives, if we allow him to have control of our lives, if we allow him to make the decisions in our lives. This kind of fruit and the kind found in Galatians that we saw earlier only comes about when we repent and we believe and we surrender our lives to be led by the Holy Spirit. If anything, the parable of the barren fig tree is meant to teach a single vital truth. And that is this, that repentance is necessary and is possible through God's mercy. You cannot clean yourself up enough for God. You cannot get better without God. You cannot need, you cannot make the changes that only God can do on the inside. That would be like trying to do heart surgery as a heart surgeon and you're not you can't even spread peanut butter on a piece of toast. Only God can change the heart. Only God can change who we are on the inside. And he's patient and he grants us the time to bear fruit. And yet at the same time, none of us knows how much time we have left. And that means we got to get ready. We can't waste any more time. Somebody somewhere is going to put two dates on your tombstone with a dash in the middle. And you know what I found is that most funerals, I find out what the dash is for a person's life. Because I hear people tell stories about the person. I hear them telling, this person did this, this person did this, this person did this. But what's more impactful is when I hear, if it wasn't for this person and what they did, my life would have never changed. That's the kind of dash I want. If Jesus doesn't come before this body lays its flesh down, I mean, this, this, my, my flesh lays down, I want that dash to say he knew God and he told others about God and he pointed the way, he shined the light. He was not afraid to speak up. He was not afraid to extend his hand. He was, he was the hand of God for others by pointing the right direction. I want to close by telling you this. In the event in California with David Wilkerson in Dallas Holmes, I'll never forget his words to me. After those who had answered the altar call, I told you they led us into another building and put us in small groups. And I remember when he walked in, and I remember when he looked through the hundreds of people there, and I'll never forget when he came over to our group. I, I remember he's walking. You, you know, you've done this before. Please come over here. Come over here. Please come over to my group. Come over. You know, how many have ever done that? You know, you're hoping, you know, that speaker or whoever, oh, I hope they come to my group. I hope they come to my group. And, and then when he's getting closer, you're thinking, oh, I think he's coming to my group. Oh, no, he's coming to my group, you know. You're like, you're kind of excited and, and nervous at the same time. But I remember as he was coming closer, and then he stood right in front of me. And he looked right at me. I'm telling you, it was like he went right in through my soul, through my socks. 
I couldn't have lied to him if I had wanted to. I mean, he could see in me. And he looked dead at me. There's others in the group, but he's looking straight at me. I'm not exaggerating. And he said, it's time to stop playing games. Are you ready to get serious with God? And let me I tell you that pause that, that at the end of that question seemed like an eternity in and of itself. And then he said, if you're ready and you're serious and you mean business, take my hand. It was like God had just stuck his hand out there. I'm not putting him on that. I'm just telling you the words pierced my soul. This young teenage boy. And I grabbed that hand. And I mean, when I grabbed it, I grabbed it and like that. And he, he kind of jumped. And then everybody else like, I'm getting in. You know, but I had his hand. And no matter how many other people grabbed his hand, if he tried to let go, I wasn't letting go. I mean, I was holding on for dear life. And, and I'm not putting him on a pedestal. I'm just telling you, he prayed that day. And I'll never forget what he said. He looked around at that group, but then he looked right back at me because I was gripping his hand. He said, one day you'll stand before God and you'll see this very moment played back. Don't forget it. Now get busy for Jesus. See, brother, I'd come to the Lord a few months before, but I was starting to drift away. I didn't have any Bible teaching, and I wasn't brought up in a church that taught the Bible, and I was starting to drift away. It was a, my little Christian girlfriend, you know, I loved her, you know, you know how that puppy love is kind of thing, but she was pulling me away, and we had met on a re Christian retreat, but she was pulling me away, and I, I was being pulled, and I'm just telling you, but when he said, are you ready to get serious for God? Because one day you're going to see this played back on a large screen before God in heaven. You better, you better mean it. I'll never forget that. I remember I came back home and I broke up with that girl. Wasn't too long, long later, another girl came along in high school and I tried witnessing to her and she pretended like she went along with it, but she was too playing games. And God dealt with me and said, break up with her or go the other way, make up your mind. And I did. It was not a good scene. It, it was the school homecoming the day I broke up. I said, God, it's you and me. It's you and me, Jesus. It's you and me. And I'm telling you, after that, I was sold out. Because see, God will test you. God will test you. He wants to know. He's looking for fruit. He's tired of coming and looking and seeing nothing. He's got patience. He's got mercy. But he's given us the spirit of God. He's given us the word of God. He's given us another day with another breath and the unction to be able to do something. And he's looking for fruit. And I don't know if I have a week, a month, a year, 10 years, 20 years. I've been talking to God about that lately. I said, Lord, I want a minimum. And I told him how many more years. I'm not going to tell you. You get your own number. I said, God, I want a minimum. Because I said, I want to make up for the lost time that I wasted. I want to make up for the lost time that I wasted. And I want to ask you, what's going to represent the dash on your tombstone? I'm going to ask those of you here right now, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and you're ready to surrender your life, I'm not talking about play games or anything, you're ready to surrender your life, I'm going to ask you to do something as bold as a lion. I'm going to ask you to stand right to your feet and say, I am ready to sell out to Jesus right now. 
I want to know him in a personal way. I want to know him like you're talking about. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right now if that's you. If there's no one here and you, you all know Jesus, that's great. But I don't know that everybody knows God where they are. Okay, so that I'm presuming I'm speaking to believers here. I'm speaking to those that God is saved by his precious blood, by his son dying on the cross. And I'm, I rejoice with you on that. But can I tell you, he's been coming and he's looking for fruit. And I, I know some will find and will argue about this. God never gets tired of waiting. I said, it's not what I read here. He comes looking for fruit. And if you're ready to say, Pastor Bob, I am ready to settle it now. 100% selling out to Jesus from this day forward. I'm going to make the dash in my life count for something more than it already has. And if that's you, I want you to stand. I want to pray for you right now. That's you. You're ready to sell out 110% for Jesus. You're ready to make that dash stand for something more than what your life already has produced. You're ready to produce fruit like never before for God. I want you to stand right where you're at. I'm not here to embarrass you. If you don't know, you don't know. I'm just saying it's time. It's time. He's looking for spiritual fruit. He's looking for works out of your life. He's looking not that works to be saved, but because we know him, there should be good works coming forth from our life. And it points to Jesus. It doesn't bring us any glory. It points to Jesus. That's where you're at right now. I'm going to ask you to stand. This is your last chance right for today. I'm going to pray with you. Pastor Elliot, why don't you come? Would you pray? These are the ones who have said, I'm selling out. I'm selling out. And there's those on the internet are standing at home and they're, send, they're selling out, they're selling out, they're selling out, they're selling out. God's got an army that's about to march through this land. He's selling out. Come on, come on, come on. Anybody else? He's looking for fruit from your life, come on. Pastor Elliot. You know, for each and every one of you that have stand, I heard the Lord say it's gotta be more than a standing up, but a moving forward. So why don't you just come to this altar? If you are serious right now, if you are, if you are dead serious about what you have committed to the Lord in your heart, just come to this altar and you know, as Pastor was preaching, I was just, I was just meditating upon that parable, and and it's like I saw that tree being our lives, and the 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 the, the, the vine dresser, the one in charge of the garden, he said, just dig around it, and then fertilize it, and give it a year. And I was like, Lord, what is that? What does it look like in my life? Because Lord, I want to produce more fruit. I don't want any dormant areas. I don't want anything dead and not producing because the Lord says that he, we are the vine and he is the branch and we are connected to him as we are the vine and he is the branch. He says that he prunes the, the vines and, and, and the branches that are producing fruit, but he has to cut some things away. And I just saw the Lord as a gardener. I saw the Holy Spirit just in our lives beginning to uproot some things and taking some things out because Pastor gave an illustration that all the, the, the grass and the things and the weeds growing around the tree, that it has to be pulled up and it has to be uprooted. And I said, Lord, what is that? He said, just time wasters and, and things that, that, that aren't worth chasing after and things that we've allowed to build into our lives 
that don't need to be there. And I want you just to, to just to just shut your eyes and look at your life right now. If you've come up for prayer, shut your eyes and look at your life and say, Lord, would you pull that out? Lord, would you reveal to me the things that are that I'm wasting my time with, that are unfruitful, Lord, that they're fruitless, that they're just wasting my time, that they're not worth it. Just begin to focus in on that. Now I want you to just make a commitment that you're going to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to uproot those things in your heart right now. Come on, come on, commit to him. Maybe even open your hands before the Lord like you surrender. Lord, I surrender that to you. I surrender. Come on. Hours, hours, hours in front of the television. Hours in front of YouTube. Hours on social media. Things that are completely fruitless. That they're not producing fruit in your life. That they're wasting your time. They're stealing your time. Come on. Come on. Relationships that you should not be in. Come on. Whatever the Lord is showing you, allow Him to begin to uproot those things in your life. Then as He takes it away and the soil is ready to be fertilized, I was like, Lord, what is that? How do we fertilize the soil of our lives? How do we get prepared? And I just saw a person sitting, opening up their word and devouring the word of God, sitting at the feet of Jesus and and just spending time in prayer and in adoration and in worship. And so as the Lord begins to uproot these things and he begins to take them out of your life, you have to commit to the Lord that you're going to fertilize the soil of your heart, that you're going to spend time in the word of God, that you're going to spend time in his presence and in prayer. Come on, no more rushed time in prayer. No more rushed time of intimacy. We make time for so much else in our lives. We will find time to do everything that's important to us. But why don't you make a commitment at this altar this morning? Lord, you know, it's not about works. It's not about getting up early to say I got up early, but it's about making more time. If you got to get up earlier, we'll do what you have to do. Say, Lord, I'm going to get up earlier and I'm going to come and sit at your feet and I'm going to allow you to fertilize the soil of my heart. Lord, I'm going to cut off the television for one extra hour or even 30 minutes a day and I'm going to commit that time in your word that I can fertilize the soil of my heart. Lord, I'm going to find time to come into your presence and that you would just come, Lord, as the master gardener, till up the soil in my heart and put what needs to be there for me to be a producer of fruit. You said, Lord, that you want us to go and to produce fruit, but fruit that would last, fruit that would remain, that we would know, Lord, uh, that, that people would know us as good trees by the good fruit that we produce. And so, Holy Spirit, this morning, we come into your presence and we ask you, God, that you would begin to uproot things in our lives, Lord, that do not belong, that you would take away the time wasters, that you would take away the unhealthy, unfruitful relationships, God, that you would take away the habits, Lord, that are just taking our time from us and and keeping us from you, Lord, that you would just clear all that out, God. If we've been unfruitful, Father, we thank you for your mercy and for your grace, but we repent, God, of the, the, the minutes, the hours, the weeks, the months, the years of unfruitfulness, but we ask you, God, give us another year, Lord. Give us another year according to this parable, God. We, we just give you permission to uproot things, but Lord, teach us how to fertilize the soil of our hearts. We thank you, Lord, that your word says that we would be like trees planted by rivers of living water, that we are oaks of righteousness, Lord, that our trees would bear fruit in in every month, Lord, that our, our leaves would remain green, God. Father, we thank you for these promises. We declare in our lives and in our hearts and in our homes that we would be oaks of righteousness, that our roots will go down deep, Lord, and receive of the river of living, uh, the rivers of living water, that we would receive that life, God, that we pray, God, that you would just give us a heart to draw near to you, Lord. Jesus, come on. Why don't you just go after God for a few minutes? Come on. Go after the Lord for a few minutes because I'm telling you, you were born for such a time as this and you were created by the hands of your God and you are called to be fruitful, not fruitless. God is calling you to be fruitful. God is calling you to be fruitful. I call forth the fruit in your lives. I awaken gifts in in your people today, Lord. I ask the Holy Spirit that you would stir up the gifts in your people again, that you would awaken them again to dreams and to visions and to, to, to things that they aspired to do for you and to be for you. But for some reason, Lord, that they allowed those dreams to die. Lord, I just speak to dormant dreams and ministerial gifts and callings this morning. In Jesus' name, come forth, come forth. Be awakened this morning. In Jesus' name, ministry dreams, ministry hopes, ministry aspirations.
generations, things that you put in your people, God, that have been buried by just life and circumstance and situations and even complacency. I call those things forth, Lord, that you would awaken your people to be fruit bearers, God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Father, I thank you for the fruit that is coming forth in the lives of your people. Come on. Come on, just keep worshiping. Come on, Lord, I ask you to speak, Lord, whatever's in your heart. We're listening. Teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days, Lord. No one knows the day or the hour, not only of your coming, but the moment we will see you face to face. We don't know the day or the hour. Teach us to number our days, God. Teach us to hold the time that you've given us on this earth as precious. Remind us, God, of our talents, of the time that you're giving us to, to accomplish the things you've called us to do. And of eternity, Lord, give us a realization and a revelation of eternity again today, oh God. Oh, I know in my heart of hearts that there are some of you that are here this morning that you have a call to ministry upon your life. And you're like that tree that Pastor Bob was speaking about in the parable. That the, the master comes year after year and there's no fruit. But the things that are there have just been lying dormant. But I declare to you in Jesus' name, after repentance of fruitful of fruitlessness, that the Lord is coming to fertilize your soil. And when he comes back to check, he's going to see fruit. He's going to see a bountiful harvest in your life. I call it forth. Come on, to those of you that know that you have a call to ministry on your life, you feel a fire in your heart right now. It is burning. It is burning. You haven't felt it in a while, but you feel it burning. Come on, if you're not at this altar, come now. Come now. The Lord is reigniting something in your life. You have been called to ministry. And like that tree, you're like, Lord, where's the fruit? I know that there's more. The Lord says, you have heard right. You are filling my presence that there is more. And I will touch you today, says the Lord. I will touch you today. Come on. Those of you that have that call and you know, come, come. If you're already here, open your heart and say, Lord, reignite the passion in my heart. Reignite the fire in my heart to do the things you called me to do. Lord, my heart is open. I'm here and I'm ready. Precious Lord Jesus,
business owners, my Christian entrepreneurs. Where are you? Lift up your hands. Lift up your hand. Let me see you. Come on, my business owners, my entrepreneurs. I got to take my time and scan and see because as we were worshiping, the Lord began to speak to my heart about business people. And I'm a businessman, and so he can speak to me that way I understand. I heard the Lord giving a word of warning to business owners that we are to look different. We are to be set apart. That those of us that are business owners in the kingdom, that we've been asking God for his blessings and his favor upon our business, the Lord says, if you do it the world's way, you will get the world's reward. But if you do it my way, you will receive my reward. That if you do it according to the world's system, again, you will be under the umbrella of the world's blessings. And that's in quotation mark. But if you do it my way, says the Lord, you will receive the reward of my hand. I don't know why. This is not what we were talking about. But as we were worshiping, the Lord began to speak to me because we're thinking about being fruitful. We're talking about being fruitful and being used by God. And God has raised some up to be business owners, businessmen and businesswomen, that as we will be entrepreneurs in this world that we're living in, that we have to do it God's way because there will be a temptation to do it the world's way, the easy way, to do what the world says works to be successful. But I'm telling you, the kingdom of God must be the same in our personal lives, in our marriages, and in our businesses, that how we display ourselves on social media, how we display ourselves in in person, the way we interact with our, because you got to understand something. The Lord sees it all. He sees what we do in private. He sees what we do in public. He sees how we interact with customers and how we give people service. And the Lord is calling his businessmen and businesswomen to higher standards. And that is something for us to pray about and to think about. Amen. I received that as a word for me and for my family as a business owner. Now I want to pray a blessing over these businesses. Then I want to pray for all of us before we go. Father, I lift up each and every business owner, each and every family, each and every business that is represented in this house this morning. I pray for your blessings and your favor upon their businesses today. But Lord, I ask you, God, that if there is a business that is supposed to be a Christian business that is doing things the world's way, that you would remove your hand of favor, that they would see, Lord, that you are not blessing what they are doing. But, Father, I pray for a higher accountability in your people in the business world, that as you are blessing the work of our hands, God, that we would do it under kingdom authority, that we would do it holy and in reverence of our God. And, Father, I pray for increase to come into the businesses in this house as those that are submitted to you and they do things the kingdom way, the way that you approve, the way that you can bless. I pray for your increase, your favor, and your blessings upon these entrepreneurs and upon these businesses, Lord God. But in the same manner, Father, we pray according to your word that your blessings cannot rest upon those who do not walk according to your way. Father, as the fig tree, as the gardener came, he said, this tree's not producing fruit and you gave them just one year Lord I declare in Jesus name that we will give our businesses and our homes and our hearts to you and we will begin to produce fruit some of you if you're not seeing the fruit that you've been praying for the Lord says check your heart check your methods check the way you're doing things and ask me if I approve of what you're doing and if you would change your ways if you would repent and if you would do it my way says the Lord I will bless the work of your hands Lord, I thank you, and I receive that word as a business owner myself. Now I want to speak to you, my dear brothers and sisters. The word of God says that there is a river that flows from the throne of God. It flows from the Lamb himself. And the Bible says that we are trees planted by rivers of living water. Remember this, in order for us to be healthy, fruitful, and productive trees, we have to dwell by the river. 
We have to abide by the river. You have to find yourself on a daily basis coming to the river of God, planting yourself, sitting at his feet. Allow your roots to go deep and receive from that river of living water. And the Bible promises, especially, and look in the book of Ezekiel, there are some prophecies about us in these last days that our, tr our, our, our leaves will never wither and we will produce fruit in the time of famine that we will not be afraid of drought or the heat of the sun. This is a promise to God's people, but you have to be planted by the river. You have to spend time with the one who is called the living water himself. Can you say amen? I want to speak a blessing, a priestly blessing over your life. Lord, I declare that your people are the head and they are not the tail. They are above and not beneath. I declare that they are blessed in the city and they are blessed in the field. I pray, I pray that you bless their comings and their goings. I declare, Lord, that, that you would bless their families, that the fruit of their label, the, the fruit of their hands, their children, their businesses, their ministries, oh God. I pray, Father, that when the master returns, that he will find our hands working, that we will be faithful with, with, with what's been put in our hands and we will produce fruit for your kingdom, fruit that will last. Lord, we thank you for your mercy and your grace and the moment and the time to repent. But God, now that we've repented, we give you our heart and we give you our word that we are going to move forward hand in hand with Jesus, co-laboring with the angels of heaven to produce a harvest in the earth that would be fitting for the King of glory. Lord, we love you this morning. And I speak a blessing over your people as they go. In the mighty name of Christ, amen. Amen. Well, you are dismissed if you have to go, but if you need prayer for anything... We're going to be here, but thank you for coming. And I thank God for that word. I needed that word.